We're in this series uh, in Advent where we're called Listening to God and Listening for God. And we've seen uh, Mary essentially these, for these first three uh, weeks of Advent. And first week of Advent, we talked about Mary and her moment of wonder. We read about that earlier with the angel Gabriel. And then Mary's moment of community with uh, cousin Elizabeth and what that meant. We looked at that last week. And today, I just want to reflect on something else that was read today. And that is Mary's moment of what we're calling resistance. Mary's moment of resistance. I mean, what does Mary look like to you in your mind's eye? I'll bet it's tidy, perhaps. My background always had nice, clean, tidy, pure Mary pictures. And um, I, I want to I adjust that a little bit. I think a better picture might be that reality was that Mary was a poor, young Jewish girl around 14. She was part of an oppressed religious and political minority at the edge of the Roman Empire. And I want, to, I want to today just very quickly say, I want to take it from Mary as this pristine perfection to Mary as boss. <laughs> Mary who has something to say. Mary who takes up space. Mary with courage. Mary, as we learned last week, had been with Elizabeth. She had validation. She had comfort. She has seen. So she sings, and does she ever sing? This first Christmas carol that she sings is a doozy. It starts out like this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And people love that part of their song. No real big controversy there. That's the part we really like to hear, especially those who are not poor, not hungry, not oppressed, because this keeps Mary very manageable, docile, controlled, this is in some way how I was raised to view Mary. But the Magnificat goes further and gives us a fuller picture of Mary altogether as a revolutionary. Because then she says this. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has thrown strength with it. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Welcome to Mary, the woman of holy rage, the one of holy resistance, the woman who indicts an economic system built on idolatrous ideas about what kind of people do or don't deserve to th things like food and shelter. Listen, this part of the Magnificat is so disruptive that when the King James Version was created back in the early 1600s, the British crown replaced the word thrones with seats. In fact, many countries outright banned the Magnificat from being re recited in liturgy or in public. And indeed, American slaveholders also produced, as you're probably aware, a redacted Bible altogether to give to their slaves, taking out 90% of the Old Testament and 50% of the New Testament. As you might imagine, the Magnificat, at least this part of it, didn't make the cut. People in power have found it dangerous because they were listening closely. They heard, is, what they heard is what Episcopal priest and writer Broderick Greer calls a rebel anthem. He goes on to say this. Listen to this. In Mary's words, we see a God who is setting the world right. When we see Mary's songs, questions arise about how Jesus was brought up. 
questions around what might have been whispered into Jesus' ear by his mother, the revolutionary, the rebel. We are led to wonder whether Jesus, or excuse me, Joseph received his proclivity for risk from Mary. We are led to wonder whether Jesus inherited his rebellious nature from Mary. We are led to wonder, this line always slays me, we are led to wonder whether Mary's rebel anthem moonlighted as Jesus' lullaby. When Jesus grows up and preaches, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. I will guarantee you there were people listening to Jesus say that who knew Mary and said, well, that fruit did not fall far from the tree. Mercy. The Magnificat informs us of the good news. As Erna Hacker wrote, Mary is not a passive vessel, but a partner with God, a theologian, and a significant influence in the formation of Jesus. And so it's important for us to look at the Magnificat because it informs us of the values of Jesus. It informs us about what Jesus would later preach in his first sermon in Nazareth that almost got him killed, almost got him thrown off of a cliff when he said, I have come to preach good news for the poor, for the poor. I've come to preach good news for those who continue to be crushed in a world that thrives on exploitation and injustice. Good news for those needing liberation. Her song is a sermon that tells us about the vision of Jesus, where mercy overcomes injustice, where humility replaces hubris, rulers are cast down, the poor raised up, there's food enough for all, and the rich will be judged for what they have done to women like Elizabeth and Mary and all such women and men throughout history. But I want you to hear something. The Magnificat is actually really good news, too, for those who are well-fed and are wealthy or in a position of power and might benefit from systems that oppress others like me. How is it good news for me? It shows us, it shows me, shows you that our path of liberation is to use our position and privilege to learn to lean into the values of Jesus, to lift up the poor, to center their voices, to learn about how oppression works, to learn from those in the margins and find that God was there all along. So, courageous Mary, courageous Mary, whose boldness was passed down to her son to reveal the loving heart of God and show us a new way of being in the world. Courageous Mary, who proclaimed that her story and God's story were one, that God's dream of liberation and salvation was her story. Courageous Mary, who just through the act of giving birth, sanctified the holiness and courage of birthing children, contractions, tearing, bleeding, cracking, trying to get a baby to latch, postpartum depression perhaps. Author and theologian Kat Armis said it this way, we talk about Jesus' body being broken for us, but we don't talk enough about how Mary's body was broken for his savior of the world was completely dependent on her most vulnerable and intimate body parts, close quote. 
See, in our theological tradition, we don't pray directly to Mary. But can't you see why the vast majorities of Christians in human history have? If I ever do take up the practice of praying to someone other than the God revealed in Jesus, it would be Mary. So let's keep praying to Jesus and ask God and ask Jesus to give us the courage of Mary, that we might resist where need be to be agents of God's joy and justice in the world. That is Mary's invitation to us today.